0: Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in some of our favorite video games. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co host with me today. Some would say he's even an icon, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Who the heck would say that? I mean, we were talking about it yesterday on our lovely Tavern Watch podcast, which if you haven't been listening to it, you should. We just had a lovely interview uh, with Brendan Conway from Magpie Games, uh, in which Matt got to ask a whole bunch of questions about masks. And we got to talk about the new upcoming Avatar game. It was fantastic stuff. So I,
1: I don't recall anyone calling me an icon. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, geez, you need better icons.
0: Uh, I don't know about that, but today we're not going to be talking about anything like that. We are going to be talking about the next step in our our dungeon and raid series, and we're going to be talking about two more raids from the Burning Crusade. In particular, we're going to be talking about Magtheridon's Lair and Gruel's Lair, uh, which were some of the earliest raid content that you could actually get through. Uh, and I think we'll start with Magtheridon's lair. So Magtheridon is a character that has a pretty long history in the Warcraft franchise, at least going back to Warcraft 3, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe that was one of the th- uh, items that happened where Ner'zul opened up a whole bunch of portals, and uh, out comes uh, this wonderful Magtheridon. So, well,
1: actually, uh, no. Oh, please correct me. Uh, basically what happened was Nerzul opened a bunch of portals, ripped Outland, land, ripped uh, Draenor into pieces, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one relatively big piece of it ended up floating in the twisting nether. Then the Legion themselves opened portals onto it because it was in the nether and thus much easier to get to the portals that Ner'zhul opened only tangentially were related to that. They were using the same framework, but it was the Legion who opened them much later and Magtheridon came forth onto the shattered chunk of Draenor that's now called Outland and took it over in the name of the Legion. Uh, Mike was the replacement for Mannoroth as as Master of the Pit leans the Pit Lords.
0: Pit Lords, yep. Uh,
1: so it's kind of true, but it's just it skips a step. If you say that he came through, he, he didn't just come through. Nurzul didn't just open portals and then out comes Mannoroth. Nurzul opened portals. The planet started to to implode. He jumped through one, and we'll get back to that. And as a result of the, the world was shattered and the pieces that were left in the nether were taken over by the legion and specifically Magtheridon. and
0: in, in point of fact i believe that Magtheridon actually after conquering the outland world uh which at this point is outland no longer draenor uh because it has been shattered into a, a you know thousand pieces uh used the black temple as a seat of power is that correct am i am i correct in remembering that like um
1: it's kind of like the Black Temple, yes, but the problem is, is, that in Warcrafts two and three, the Black Temple and Hellfire are used almost synonymously. And it wasn't until later games where they actually sat down and said, "Okay, which one is where? Are they they're not the same place? So which one's where?" Um, so yes, in the version we currently have, Megtherodon ruled from the Black Temple. Uh, it was it was his fortress, um, and Hellfire Citadel was essentially where he was making new servants uh he was making what we call chaos orcs or fell orcs
0: fell orcs yep yeah <clears throat> so for those of you that don't remember the orcs uh of the old Draenor days and and we're talking about like the the members of the horde there was this whole thing where they drank demonic blood and got corrupted um that is an oversimplification of it but that process was continued by in this case mag as he was creating his army Uh, to basically lock in and keep outland for the legion. Um, and those forces included all sorts of manner of things such as Nether uh Nether Dragons, Void Walkers, uh Succubi, Felguard, Felbeast, Doom Guard, Eridar were actually present here. And I think it was the first time that we had really seen Eridar, um, which makes a certain amount of sense considering that it is Draenor uh and involving, you know, of the Draenei that, that they probably would have really, really wanted to uh, get their, their little greedy, reddish hands on, uh, as well as- Infirmus. Although,
1: we, sh- we should point out that one of the most powerful Eridar on Outland was Socrathar, and Socrathar was a Draenei convert. Yes. He wasn't one of the ones that converted back when uh, Jaden and- want- uh, he- Oh, Archimonde first did. He-, he came later. Do you want to talk about uh, that a little actually- bit, or- well, no, not really, because what I want to do is give people a real brief rundown of the situation before everything goes to heck. Essentially, Magtheridon is in—he rules Outland. He's the place is essentially his. Anybody who's not ruled by him is hiding from him. Uh, for instance, the 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 remaining Drenai at this time were literally hiding in a swamp. Yep. Um, there, we, we, its now Telerador. Um There were some broken that were living in the swamp as well, but those those broken were not welcome in the Drenai settlements and as a result the uh because the I were afraid that they'd they'd catch being broken because they had no idea what had caused it they didn't know how it came to be and we do now know but we didn't at the time
0: yeah and, but, and this is this is one of those things where they sort of clarified it because back in warcraft 3 when we first met the broken we were told that that was corruption due to the exposure to fell turns out that's not the case
1: yeah um so they had no idea where it came from or, or how to stop it. So they isolated themselves from the Broken. As a result, the Broken had to start their own societies and went develop their own culture because they weren't being allowed into the Draenei one anymore, with, with a couple of rare exceptions, uh, like Nobundu. And while that was going on, while the Draenei were hiding, while the Broken were hiding, the Broken had developed a kind of stealth ability, very similar to the Elven Shadowmeld, because it was called Shadowmeld at the time. Um while that was going on a, a certain elf named Ilidan showed up on Outland and he did so essentially to avoid Killjaden who was angry with him cuz he was uh, serving him at
0: this time right like this is this is Not him. anymore. No. He had just broken he, free of that.
1: Yeah, he had been given the task by he, you know, when he first consumed the the Skull of Gul'dan and gained his demonic power, he got the attention of Killjaden who basically sought him out and said, "Okay, up till now, this has been kind of cute, but now I'm upset. So here's what's going to happen. You're going to do a favor for me. I've kind of lost control of a tool. It's not doing what I was led to expect it would do. And so I want you to destroy it for me. And once you've done that, then I won't destroy you and I won't hunt you down for you know killing one of my people and stealing power that was meant for us and otherwise doing things I don't, didn't want you to do. Now Illidan, no recognizing. There's an old saying: "Game respects game, or like like understands like." Mm-hmm. Illidan knew full well that Kill Jaden couldn't be trusted,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as you can't trust Illidan. Or it, it, it's Illidan, it's
0: a thing you can smell your own kind of thing, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Ill- Illidan, you know, has has a goal, and he's goal he's willing to do anything to meet that goal. And he knew in Kill Jaden he had met a guy who is even worse than he was about it. Like, Jaden just betrays people because he thinks it's fun. So yeah, I'm not trusting this guy, but I'm also kind of out of options. So he tried to get something called the Eye of Sargeras out of the Tomb of Sargeras and use it at a certain locus of power in, in Northern Lordaeron to destroy the the Lich King. And he got pretty far. He was actually successfully using it. Unfortunately, his brother his brother's w- wife or slash girlfriend and Illidan's ex, you know, love of his life. Um, and a couple of other people showed up and stopped him before he could use the eye to destroy the Lich King because it was destroying the forest around Lordaeron, which Illidan was like, so what it's going to Yeah. There's, there's going to be some devastation, but it'll stop that thing. And that <laughs> thing is more important to stop. So I don't care, but you know, not knowing what he was doing and probably wouldn't have cared anyway. Malfurion was like, think of the the trees, you maniac, and, and stop them. There was more actually cool epic speech here. That wasn't like actually literally think of the trees, but you, you get where I'm saying.
0: I always wondered about that, too, because, like, it always seemed like one of those very short sighted things. Like, would it would the forest have been able to been recovered by the legion of druids at the command of Malfurion? Is this well, something that could thing. have been brought back or walked back?
1: He, he had no idea what Illidan was doing.
0: But instead of asking, yeah. he just goes, no, don't do this
1: bad. Oh, no, he doesn't say, no, don't do this bad. He had just, you know, he he just thought, heard that Taronda had fallen away and was dead. So he was not thinking very clearly. He thought Illidan killed Taronda. So he shows up Illidan's using this powerful relic to just wreak untold devastation on the area for no reason Malfurion understands and has already killed like you know his the love of his life. Yeah, no. Uh, Malfurion was not in a let's chat mood. Especially yeah. since he didn't he didn't want Illidan free in the first place. Illiman made a pact with, with demons and turned into this monstrosity. Before that, he betrayed their people 10,000 years ago and recreated the Well of Eternity that had almost destroyed the planet. Malfurion and Illidan were not on speaking terms. So the idea that Malfurion would have stopped and said, oh, hey, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> nah, no, no, no. As far as Malfurion was concerned, his brother was a dangerous deviant who'd proven himself wor- willing to consort with with monstrous powers. And in his defense, He's right. Illidan was, was consorting with monstrous powers at this exact moment. Uh, but yeah, anyway, turned out Taranda wasn't dead. Turned out Maiev had kind of let her fall into the water because Maiev didn't care about anything but vengeance against Illidan. Uh, turned out Illidan was trying to destroy the Lich King. Uh, whether or not he could have repaired the forest afterwards, I got no idea. Uh, since they... If you look at the forest in Lordaeron today, I think it would have been a bit more complicated than you're saying. Sure. But, you know, I don't know. It's it's one of those things that, who knows? But what we do know is the two brothers ended this this face-off. They both went off to, to rescue Tyrande. The eye was stopped. The forests weren't destroyed. And in the end, Malfurion and Illidan came to a kind of, all right, I'll stay out of your way. You stay out of my way. That works for me. All right. Uh, we've hated each other for thousands of years, but from my perspective, brother, and this is Illidan talking, I don't want us to hate each other anymore. I, I just it isn't, it's not what I want. So I'm just gonna go. And Malfurion's like, okay. My is like, F no, you are not gonna get to just go. Uh, but he does because he's Illidan. He knows how to leave, and she has to chase him. Uh, at the same time, Vash, who was working with Illidan, had had caught up to. Um, a guy named Kael'thas Sunstrider, mm-hmm. who is the the Lord of the Blood Elves. He had been the the um, Prince of the High Elves, but now after Arthas's little march through to the Sunwell, <clears throat> most of the, a, a huge amount of of the High Elves had died. The remainder had called had changed their name to Blood Elves to honor the sacrifice of their former people, and they were all suffering greatly from magical addiction. Vosh told Kale after Kale decided the Alliance couldn't be trusted because they were all horribly racist, which as far as he could tell was true. Garethos was the human he was dealing with, and Garethos was horribly racist. So at this point, do you want to like go from here with Kale or do you want me to keep going? I mean,
0: feel free to keep going.
1: Okay. Uh, Kale Thos basically, after almost being executed inside Dalaran for you know trying to like you know win through the impossible task Garethos was giving him by accepting the help of the Naga because Kale was a high elf. They, they had vague rumors about the, the Naga. They didn't actually know about them. The, 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 the Calderai did, but they'd been separated from the Calderai for like 10,000 years. Yeah. So, so this is, this is
0: went, back. Don't forget, like they had been separated out and like, this is, we're talking like they live in silver moon. They live on a completely yeah. separate continent all the way, like across the other side of the world, isolated from, uh, the Kaldori who have basically shut themselves off from society.
1: And also think about the fact that Kelthas was Kelthas Sunstrider. His father was an Sunstrider. His grandfather was apparently Dathramar Sunstrider. Mm-hmm. Dathramar Sunstrider was a highborn. That's where the High Elves get their name from. It's also every single one of the Naga used to be highborn. They yes. just were the highborn that stayed loyal to Ashara. Dathramar was a highborn who was like, eh okay we've gone a little too far for me i'm gonna kind of pull back so they had cultural ties vosh could say you know we're not so different my people and your people we were once the same and Kelthas knew that if he tried doing the things garethos wanted he was going to get all of his people killed like he had a a cadre of blood elves with him and they were all going to die so he started taking vosh's help uh garethos found out tried to have him executed so now Kael'thas had nothing to lose he'd met uh Taronda and Malfurion and they were impressive but they weren't really interested in helping him
0: which is a theme that you see repeated later on as well like it's it's yeah. the idea that the the night elves at this point were again sort of still not part of society had no interest in reintegrating with the Hiles because again they still had that at this point a really healthy distrust of anything arcane um <laughs> so like they had watched their society crumble under the weight of of arcane addiction and what it what it brought and what the, and basically the the hell that azhar wrought upon their people so why are they going to welcome it back there's no incentive when, for kalthos to actually join forces with them at this point
1: yeah like for one thing kalthos is the grandson of the guy that nearly blew up the world again yeah because Dathramar led a revolt that you know unleashed a magical storm upon what was then Kalimdor, the the, the new Kalimdor to the west and the people that had to banish him were the two people he was talking to. Like this is these are people who are contemporary with his grandpa.
0: Yeah, so they remember everything.
1: Yeah, they're like, no, we we, we don't. We accept that you are related to us, but we have no interest in what you you do with arcane magic. That's you want to give it up. Feel free to quit. Go through withdrawal, and you can come live in the forest with us. But since that doesn't look like something you're going to do, have fun. So Vash is like. Vash was very successful in hiding herself from those two because if she, they'd seen her, it wouldn't have gone well. But she's like, you There's know. There's a reason I'm that
0: no- Vash is a, a master of spies in, in Channel. Yeah. And just throwing it out there.
1: Vash is like, look, I know you, you're you kind of like trying to help your people here. And that's, that's great. Uh, helping your people is wonderful. I know a guy totally likes magic. Way more than even your grandpa did. I knows mean, a whole lot
0: of ritual stuff, too.
1: Yeah. Super, super knowledgeable about it. Uh, he might be able to help you. And um, I'm just saying it would be getting your people away from this, which is kind of nasty. And you got this; those humans might still try and kill you. So, yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking you should come with. Uh, and so Kalthas <laughs> did go with Vosh to Outland, where Illidan had also gone because he had just failed to use the uh, Eye of Sargeras to destroy the Lich King. And he was like, okay. I need a place I can secure against the Legion. This place would work really well if I can just get these portals closed. And he's like, this is when Vosh brings Kalthos to Illidan. And they're like, okay, first up, what are the problems? Well, And the, they break down what the problems are. The first problem is that there's these portals where the Legion can summon endless reinforcements. There are four, four those,
0: major portals in particular.
1: Yeah, As long as those portals are up, uh, Magtheridon has a practically limitless army. He can just keep you kill demons; they just come back. Uh, so that's problem one. Problem two is Magtheridon himself, who is not quite the the fighter Mag—you know Manaroth was, which puts him still way out of the weight class of almost everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like Manoroth was astonishingly powerful. I mean, of the of the people in the Legion, the only people that Manoroth feared were Akamond. And kill Jaden, kill Jaden, and possibly Sargaris. Although th- that's the kind of situation where, like, literally everybody feared Sargaris, so that makes sense. Um, so, so is up there in power, and he's going to be a pretty formidable fight. However, kill Jaden, you know, kill, kill Jaden is much worse. So Illidan is willing to risk it because he thinks if I can beat him, like I beat uh, of oh, Bloody heck, who's the guy he beat? The one he, he beat when he drained the skull.
0: Gul'dan? No, no, beat, no, no, uh, no. Oh, I know what you're talking about. but
1: Yeah, the demon lord. He of the Nazarethism, but I can't remember his bloody name. So Tichondrius and Illidan fought, and Illidan killed him. So Illidan was feeling like, I like my chances. I mean, maybe I can't win, but with the, with you guys and your blood elf soldiers and your your uh, Naga soldiers, I'm thinking there's at least a chance here if we can get them portals closed. And Kael'thas, who had a certain knowledge of magic himself was like yeah i think the the portals are definitely attackable so they put together a plan and as they were going through all the, the the broken who were being you know exploited and attacked by the legion pretty constantly and their leader akama saw illidan and his people fighting off the demons and thought okay we'll make a deal and the so they got a force of broken to join them as well which meant they now had stealth assassins because the Broken could like stealth around a lot. They were like Draenei, but rogues. Um, but partially because they had feet now. Uh, the Draenei, as they become broken, their, their hooves break down and they actually turn into toes. Uh, you have also see that in various kinds of eridar. Um, so that's, that's an interesting thing to consider. Uh, different kinds of corruption, in the case of the eridar, it's fell corruption, can give certain kinds of eridar or eridar-adjacent beings toes. Whereas Draenei obviously have hoods, as do some of the Eridar. The original Eridar had hoods. Anyway, getting back to what we're talking about, this is what they spend the next while doing. Uh, attacking various portals and shutting them down so that no reinforcements can come through. Once they have the four portals shut down, that's when they advance on the Black Temple. Mm-hmm. And so the, this is the
0: the siege of the Black Temple, the original siege of the Black Temple after uh, basically, it's been taken by the Legion. So yeah, you the, Legion, have,
1: the Legion turned Karabor into the Black Temple. Now, this is the first time someone's attacked it since then.
0: So you have the combined efforts of uh, Illidan's forces, which we now know are you know varied and uh, you know can consist of various you know demonically aligned things. Uh, whether or not they were demon hunters at this time, I think is still kind of gray. I don't even think they explained it in the, no, the Illidan no. novel.
1: No, they weren't. They straight okay. up weren't. So then you have um,
0: the Blood Elves, which are, at this point, still arcane masterful. You have the army of the Naga that's under control of Lady Vash, who are incredible hunters, incredible bow, uh, like, rangers, essentially. And then you have the Tongue tribe of the Broken, uh, under the leadership of Akama, who are just going around being full-on rogues and able to, like, stealth up behind things and just completely shut it down. So after the Dimensional Gateways are shut down, MacTherodon doesn't have his reinforcements he has no way out he has no way to bring anything back in and honestly at this point like it's a last-ditch effort on his part so make like, theradon go ahead
1: i will say he does almost win he like, does he, yeah he goes up against this whole force and he does almost win but in the end illidan takes him down uh because illidan's got the warglades of azanoth he's killed big demon lords before he, he knows how to do this so yeah. combine that with the demonic power he'd stolen from the skull of guldan and yeah, it's it ultimately ends with with Illidan defeating Magtheridon. And with, almost
0: with, immediately, oh, go ahead. I was going to say with it's not by himself though, this needs to be clear. It's with the help of Kalthos, Lady Vosh, and Akama all assisting. Illidan does, oh, you know, yeah, claim absolutely. victory, but it's all four of them that have to work together in order to do it. So,
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. But literally they get Magtheridon down and like instantly Kill Jaden just pops in Mm-hmm. Which is not something that Elden had expected to happen. Uh, and Kill Jane's like, yeah, okay, you beat him. That's that's cute. Remember that conversation we had about you doing a thing for me? It isn't done yet. I'm not sure what you were doing here. Perhaps you got confused. I'm not sure. I, I can see it being hard for you to sort it all out. So I'm going to try this again. Go kill that thing I have a problem with, or I will destroy you. Okay, are we good now? Um, and Illidan realizing, oh, yeah, I am not in a good position here, says, yep, all right, that's fine. I was just getting myself a power base for my second attempt. Everything's good. Everything's good. And they, each of them gives the other the look saying, yeah, okay. But they, <laughs> they the, Illidan begins moving to do that. But before he leaves, the first thing he does is realize, okay, I need an army. And I need it desperately. And this is where
0: Magtheridon starts coming in.
1: Yeah. Magtheridon is the central point of his first plan. Because the first thing he does is reach out to all the orcs that were already serving. Theradon. says, I just kicked your boy's butt. You're mine now.
0: And they, of course, go, okay, yeah, because... That's the way their society operates. The strongest yeah. is in charge, essentially. So cool. And we're the, we're Illidan,
1: Illidan's very demony at this point. So and they're used to taking orders from demons. But they're like, okay, but what happens when we need to to convert more of our people? Uh, now that you know, you're going to use your blood to. And he's like, ah, no, 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 no. You don't get my blood. That's what this big lump of Tara just kicked the crap out of his for. Yeah. So,
0: so go ahead. I was going to say, so we. It's very, very distinct in the fact that MacTharodon is not killed. Illidan defeats him, does not kill him, and instead has him dragged to, uh, at this point, what they have now specified as Hellfire Citadel, where there is a prison slash laboratory slash factory for orcs uh, being constructed within the walls of the citadel. Uh, and where the Magtheridon is kept at the brink of death and locked using physical chains and arcane chains and things that look like lament configurations all around him. And every single day, every single day, Illidan's folks go in, take his blood, take it to another wing inside of the Hellfire Citadel, and make more Fel Orcs as they're strapped to the table and injected with demonic blood. And so we get our lovely army of red, very aggressive, spiky orcs. That you get to see all throughout Burning Crusade and especially yeah. in the Hellfire Peninsula.
1: And you'll note that they're significantly more mutated than the the orcs who drank the blood from Manoroth originally.
0: Yeah, like the ones from Manoroth just turned green and got more aggressive.
1: Yeah, but these ones are actually their faces are starting to grow massive, like orc tusks are like like maybe at the most four or five inches. The spikes coming out of the 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 fell or chaos orc faces are like a foot and a half long. Like, it's, it's a wonder they can close their mouths at all.
0: And some of them can't.
1: Yeah, and they're, they're getting big and red. It, they are very heavily mutated. It's it's very
0: similar to, like, the troll berserkers, right? The big giant brutes that we wind up seeing. If they're starting to get to that sort of level. Not all of them, but there is that level of mutation. And you do see and face that quite a bit. Um Yeah which we'll come back when we talk about Black Temple, there's more there to it as well. But it is an absolute case of 100% corrupted blood breeding this huge force of rage and power and mutation and making them way more deadly to deal with. And that's where we come in. So as we wind up getting to uh, Hellfire Peninsula and we start figuring out what's going on, we start learning that Magtheridon is alive and still stuck in being used to this purpose. And our job at this point is to canonically break through all the different wings of Hellfire Citadel from the ramparts down into the, the why can't I think of it? The Blood Furnace, I think it is. Um, where yeah. the, the Blood Furnace where everything is being converted arcanely to make sh- more of them.
1: And in the Shattered Halls, where's where they're being trained.
0: In the Shattered Halls, which is their barracks and training facility, down to the source of Magtheridon's lair, where it's not really a lair, but the prison where not only do we have to defeat all of the jailers that are keeping him in check, but we also have to kill him. Because if we don't, he's just going to either, A, break free and start trying to take over Outland again, and we don't really need that. There's already enough demons running rampant through Hellfire uh, Peninsula, and he's got definitely a bone to pick with pretty much everybody at this point. Uh, Or we kill him and risk him going back to where demons go but he's out of the hands of illidan at this point and can no longer be leveraged or used in this manner to continue to make fell orcs and, that and it's is worth the pointing
1: priority. out it's worth pointing out though to get there we have to fight our way through a lot of fell orcs a lot and and we have to kill kargath bladefist himself yep who is one of the top it, one of the original orc war chiefs, warlords, who was fighting in the Horde against the Alliance of the First and Second War. Um, Kargath was not allowed to go to Azeroth because he was too unstable.
0: And he's even more unstable now because now he's a fellow orc.
1: Yeah, now he's got, you know, like I said, the teeth. Yeah, he's got teeth that you seriously you look at him and you go, how does he close his mouth? Like, seriously, what's going on? Like, Because not only does he have the, the giant tusks coming up from his lower jaw he has big ones coming up coming down from his upper jaw and
0: and uh you know how he had like one hand that had been taken in gladiatorial combat and how he got his name blade fist by having a blade stuck to his fist yeah he, his other hand is now no longer there and is replaced with an axe
1: yeah he chose to do that this time by
0: choice like he, yeah.
1: yeah he cut off his other hand uh so yeah you, you kill him that's just to get through all the places and get the uh proper means T. to get into the yeah. uh actual uh the manor of lair and as j you know joe just pointed out you have to fight the the various guards and jailers and magicians who are holding him warlocks yeah the warlocks and then once you do that he gets loose and you gotta fight him and you know the, he was at the time it was a 25 person raid raid fight only um which was the highest raid level in in burning, uh, crusade. burning crusade and it's it's really it was a I remember this fight. It was hard until you finally got the timing on those stupid cubes. It was really hard. It was not an easy fight. It was a definitely, as an intro fight, it was pretty significant. Um, Agreed.
0: Yeah. It but, was one of those things where, like, it, it out of the lore of it, but, like, in the, it, it sort of fit the mechanics in this particular case because it was supposed to be absolutely ridiculously hard because that was supposed to be what mag was. And even then we're fighting him as a shadow of his former self where he's weakened. He's been imprisoned. He's been, uh, basically beaten up every single day with his blood being taken. And he's, Dill is a handful, and that's sort of the point, right? It's it's the mechanics of the the raid reinforcing the story of the character, and mm-hmm. we we talk about like environmental storytelling a lot. This was a really good indication of it, and there's also some of the other things too, like one of the mechanics of the fight was him bringing down literally pieces of the enclosure around him because yeah. he's that big and powerful. He can stomp and do that. And like avoiding that and trying to figure out how to use the things that were being used to keep him in check to our advantage to subdue him long enough for us to get more attacks in, but not keep him in stasis too long. It was this beautiful introduction balancing act of an encounter that really fed into the story of how he got here to begin with.
1: Yeah, and it's also it's a it's a Carazon's the very first raid you're going to do in in TBC, and it's definitely it, it's got a lot of lore to it and it's got the Legion in and all the parts, but at the same time, it's not directly related to the story of Outland, but Mac Slayer is. Mm-hmm. It's, it is. You are, you are fighting the guy that Illidan had to beat to get to be in charge in the first place. You're fighting the weapon that Illidan is using to keep the orcs loyal to him. And Illidan has been seen to be the figure who's in charge from the first moment you got to um, Hellfire Peninsula and went into Overlord Machmorog's lair and were confronted by a, a giant, you know, eye that was directly controlled by Illidan. So this is what, like, from your leveling experience right up to this moment was all leading to you fighting Magtheridon because it's the first actual blow you deal to the Illidari, who are. The, the same organization that the demon hunters are ultimately part of the ones with the demons that converted to Illidan's uh, rule, because, you know, he clearly, he was stronger than, you know, Magtheridon, uh, the the various broken and Naga that serve him. All of that still waits for you. But after you do Magtheridon's lair, you get basically Gruul is the next one up and Gruul is not a demon or a fell beast or anything like that. Gruul is a descendant of the original, creations of agramar himself
0: yep Dr- gruel the dragon killer he is the gran overlord who basically is revered as a god and rules over all of the ogres of outland now keep in mind that the ogres way back when and we we see this later on uh when we get to warlords of draenor and we'll get there eventually uh but they are the the ogres ruled the with the Gorian. the i think it was the Gorian empire yeah the Gorian. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, keeping the orcs as slaves, ruling the entirety of, of Outland uh, or Draenor at the time for a very, very long time. But these things, the Grons, are massive beings capable of increasing in size, capable of fighting things much larger than them. And as Matt pointed out, they're creations that are descendants of... Um, Agrimar's meddling on draenor
1: yeah to give you a this is a real brief one there's a lot more to this that we'll probably talk about eventually but when Agrimar came to draenor he checked it to see if it had had like a titan soul in it a world soul it didn't but it was still capable of supporting life if there had been a titan soul within it it would actually have had plenty of spirit energy to feed on but there wasn't so Agrimar's like okay i'm gonna go and as he's on his way to turn back he notices something weird that all that spirit energy that isn't getting used by the Titan that doesn't exist in the planet is instead going to the normal plant life, which is then developed in strange ways and ways that are consuming the planet. Yeah. He looks back and says, if this continues, these plants are going to just eat everything and then they're going to die because there won't be anything to fertilize them. There won't be anything to like convert, you know, you know, carbon dioxide for them that a lot of this stuff is just going to, the planet, the planet will eventually will, kill yeah, itself yeah the planet will die I don't feel like I can do that I can let that happen but I don't have time to stick around here and do it myself um, plus I'm really big and I'd probably mess up other things if I did it so he made grand and Grand was essentially a mountain that he infused with uh, his own personal elemental force he basically made a quick and dirty titan forged mm-hmm. that was a mountain and so grand stepped forth for the first time, the the mountain that walked, the the power of the world, and immediately saw its mission and took it took the war to the plants. Um this was the war of the, the breakers and I forget what the plants are called the primordials?
0: the primordials and the breakers or primals yeah. and the breakers.
1: Primals and the primals, breakers. yeah. The primals are the plant beings. The uh the breakers are the are Grand at this point. Grand, you know, puts up an incredible fight but he's outnumbered by just the sheer mass of... Yeah, because uh, it,
0: was, it was what? The Colossals, which were the first ones that were under that, then the Magneron, then the Gron? Well, that's all coming. Yep, okay, uh, sorry.
1: Gron Gr- Gr- is fighting the uh, the plant beings, the primals, and he is destroyed. But the force of Agrimar can't be destroyed. It, the Titan's power remained. Every piece of Gron that broke off turned into a Magneron, which are these still even more massive... They're even bigger than the Gron. They're they're the I thought biggest. it was Colossals
0: than the Magnaron.
1: Ah, uh, no, the Magnaron and the Colossals. I'm pretty sure. But either way, I, I think the Colossals might actually be the Primals. Right? I don't, point being, the Magnaron led to the Agron to the Gron. The Gron led to the Agron. The Agron led to the ogres. And each step is kind of a devolution. If you remember the Curse of Flesh, it's actually very similar because you know the, the Magn like I think you are maybe you are right about that. Yeah, I, know, I, but, I just
0: looked it up. So it is It is the Colossals that gave way to the Magneron that gave way to the... Way to the yeah.
1: yeah. The Colossals are almost entirely rock. Yes. They're like giant chunks of rock still moving around. Huge fragments of the mountain. The Magneron are smaller and they have some fleshy bits, but they're still mostly rock. The Gron are actually at the point where the Gron seem pretty fleshy. There's nothing about them that's really rocky as such, but they're still massive. Gron are nearly as big as magnaron. Uh, the Ogron are smaller than the Gron, but are still like, yeah, well, yeah, arguably, but, I mean, smarter than a Gron isn't hard. That's the other thing <laughs> is as these things get smaller, they also do seem to get smarter. The Ogron were like two or three ogres tall, have a giant cyclopean eye like their uh, magnaron forebears, but do there are smarter, they are smaller, there are more of them. And then the, the ogres come about as kind of like descendants of the Ogron. The ogres start having weird mutations, like they have heads with two eyes. Sometimes they have two heads; one head has two, one eye, and the other head has two eyes. So, like they, they're kind of like almost having mitosis happen in their bodies. They're fully they're fully flesh beings. And then finally, the smallest and smartest, the gnomes of Drenor, are created. <laughs> <laughs> um, the most highly advanced technological inventors and innovators, the ones who develop things like nomadic, you know, hunting and tracking pack tactics, uh, collective organization, uh new weapons. Nobody had seen before like spears and, and sticks, the orcs. And I will stand by this. They are the gnomes of Draenor. Yep. They are the smallest, smartest, most inventive race on Draenor. Yep. And again, so, uh, agrimar, in what he did with grand had essentially done the same kind of stuff they did on Azeroth later, but he'd done it like really quick and then had to go. It wasn't like a full-fledged process. It was just, Oh, okay, this guy will take care of it. And if he doesn't take care of it, he'll break down to smaller, and smaller pieces that will take care of it. I got to go. I'm still hunting for my friend Sargeras who's out there somewhere and he's in trouble. So he took off that all happened. And as a result, when Draenor got torn apart by Nerzul, the the or the ogres and ogron and gron kind of survived. The the bigger ones did not. Like the, the Magnaron, if they survived, they didn't survive on the chunk of Draenor we're on. Um, and the 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 uh colossals, I mean we see a few of those. Um, I, I know at least one colossal we see in Hellfire Peninsula because Kael'thas gets his hands on them. Mm-hmm and and uses them. But that's that's coming up when we talk about a different raid. But as a result of all this stuff that we just talked about, um, the most physically powerful being on Outland native to it were the Gronn,
0: in particular um, in particular their leader Gruul,
1: Gruul and his seven sons,
0: which um, which I think we should talk a little bit about the the fact that like this is the remaining uh Gran that haven't died or succumbed to the decay of Outland. Because at the time we get there, Outland is still uh, in a state of of slow descent, right? Like it is not it is not completely stabilized, at least not yet. But Gruul gets his name, the Dragon Killer, from a very particular interaction. Now, back during, I want to say it was Warcraft 2, uh, there was a point where Deathwing decides to take his dragon aspects, or his uh, his brood, through the Dark Portal and into Draenor. And mm-hmm. at this point, he's looking for a place to store his clutch of eggs so that they can continue to grow without any interference from any of the beings back on Azeroth, and he comes across Gorgrond. The problem is, Gorgrond is still home to Gruul and the Gron who survived that uh, Draenor slow decay so far. And here's the thing about them. They're still programmed to be highly territorial, just like Agrimar wanted them to be way back when. Uh, instead of fighting primals, though, at this point, now they start fighting the Black Dragonflight. And in particular, Deathwing doesn't care about them, so he doesn't directly get involved. Um, not necessarily. But then you have essentially Gruul taking dragon bodies and shoving them onto rock spikes of what will become the Blade's Edge Mountains because he is that big and that dangerous that he just basically takes them and shoves them on there. And in fact, when we go through that zone, there are still dragon bodies impaled onto the Blade's Edge Mountain Spikes. He's that dangerous. Um,
1: And Deathwing and Gruul actually do fight.
0: Yes, at one um, point. As
1: part, the fight is actually arranged by the Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically Mediv, uh and Alaria. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, It was Caggar. Yeah. It was Cadgar. Sorry. Uh, Junior Medivh. Junior Medivh. <laughs> Mint Medivh. Dr. Pepper Light Medivh. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, Cadgar Cadgar and you know, Teralian and Alaria realize we can't fight Deathwing, but we need the book that he's got in his lair. But they so they, they yeah, strike they alert, a bargain. Yeah, they get Gruul to fight him. Which, which I
0: I should we should really specify. A lot of people think Gruul was just just like a dumb giant. No, Gruul was intelligent, had the capability of you know making deals and holding conversations. mm -hmm. It may not be like the sophistication of like gnomes or orcs, but yeah, yeah,
1: they they weren't like the guy isn't a like sparkling conversationalist. He won't go greetings, welcome to my lair. I am Gruul, and together we shall negotiate. He's like what want me kill but at the same time you could talk to him you could make a deal uh gruel was surprisingly good at punching Very because good. because death deathwing came down thinking okay i'll kill this moron and i'll get on my way and gruel just opened a school of hitting over and over again on him and Deathwing's was like this hurts way more than i want to deal with like i can kill you but it's gonna take me a long time and i don't really need that book anymore and i'm out Um, Well not only that, but
0: like during this fight too, like it should be specified that it wasn't just Gruul doing this. Yes, it did hurt, but during the fight, Cadgar was using his magic to mm -hmm. rip off the protective armor on Deathwing so that whenever Gruul was able to land a strike, it hurt that much more. He didn't have the Elementium plates in these areas. And Gruul is smart enough to go, Oh, that's flesh. I should punch that. Yeah. Like to zero (laughs) in.
1: Deathwing Deathwing took off because it was not a fight worth his time at this point. And, and, you know, in his defense, like he had done some, he had tried to kill Gruul and Gruul had not gone down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gruul was, so Gruul was a hard, a hard gron. You know, there's a reason that he was called the dragon killer. I mean, even when like one of Deathwing's direct children tried to take him on, he couldn't beat him. Um, Sibelian, uh, the son of Deathwing, the the elder son of Deathwing, Nefarian's older brother, couldn't take Gruul. Mm Mm-hmm like the most he could do was was hold him at bay um so yeah uh Gruul was and, was no joke and, and, and it caused with so his much sons, I was going to yeah, say hold cool. on but it,
0: the fight caused so much pain with deathwing that deathwing actually dropped the school, the skull of gul'dan and was forced to flee back through the dark portal like it was not a an easy fight like and that's not something that deathwing would would drop or or lose track of if he had any chance at all deathwing knew he was outclassed
1: he's like you know i could probably kill this jerk and i can probably kill those those jerks but all these jerks together it's going to take me forever i'm going to get hurt uh and my plans here are already done i don't need this thing anymore i've i've gotten what i what i intended out of this planet and so he left He'd, he'd gotten his eggs to Outland, he'd done what he intended to do, and now he was gone. But that left Gruul basically in charge of Blade, of what's now called the Blade's Edge Mountains, uh, the remains of Gorgond and Frostfire Ridge.
0: Yeah, and, um, and fearful, fearful that now that Gruul had basically won his fight, right, that... Now there's no more common enemy to use as a bargaining chip that Khaegar and the sons of Lothar thought that, well, he's probably going to turn on us next because he likes to fight. This is going to be bad. So they grabbed the skull of Gul'dan and also beat Feet because yep. they didn't want to be there. And I don't blame them.
1: And this left Gruul, you can't say he was un- uncontested or in charge of Outland. He just, any place he or his sons went, they were they were left alone.
0: Nobody like, wanted to fight
1: yeah, if one of the seven sons of, of Gruul was in an area, uh, anybody else in that area knew to leave them alone. The the, the the Legion and later on the Illidari knew that there was no profit in fighting them. Mm-hmm. They didn't have anything you wanted. They didn't have anything magical. They were just enormous and incredibly hard to hurt and would not stop until they or you were dead.
0: And there was nothing so, in the Blade's Edge Mountain that they needed. There was no resources yeah. that they needed to claim because they yeah, had all the actually- other high value places.
1: Yeah, they had all the places where Leyline type magic, they had the places where the Sethic had once been. They had all this stuff. Um they had all the places where there was anything of value to get. And so they just kind of went, "All right, let it, you know, just leave it alone. Leave those guys alone. It's not worth it for us to fight them." However, the alliance and the horde had settled in Nagrand, and one of Gruul's sons was wandering around the place killing everything, so they had to deal with him. Mm-hmm. Once you kill one of Gruul's sons, you've declared war on Gruul. Mm-hmm. And so now they're like, okay, we're going into Blade's Edge. And again, the Alliance and the Horde, we're, we're not fighting each other during this. I mean, occasionally there'd be some skirmishes and Hellfire, but they they were more or less like, I'm going to pretend you're not here. We have a larger yeah.
0: threat. You're not my worry yeah. right now.
1: And so both the Alliance and the Horde went into Blade's Edge and made contact with the Scenarian expedition. And we're like, okay, we need, we can't... We gain control. We can't gain control of this area to use as a staging ground to go into Nether Netherstorm unless we deal with Gruul. Because and there's another the aspect.
0: Of, there's another aspect of this too, right? So at the time we're starting to to work on this, and after we kill one of his sons and openly declare war on Gruul, Gruul the entire time. Like, when we, when he was first encountered by, like, the alliance and the deal was made, he had a small amount, quote-unquote, of ogres that he ruled over. But during the time uh, between then and us getting there, a lot of the Gorian Empire clans that were still scattered started flocking to Gruel as mm-hmm. he was going to protect them so like we're talking like the bladespire clan and stuff like that they all started working for gruel now yeah. not only was he but, a dangerous threat he had now magic users and other things that were just as dangerous starting to flock to him
1: yeah and it wasn't just that they were he was going to protect them they were afraid of him
0: and worship him as a god yeah
1: yeah well yeah he he's there he's a figure they kind of know they descend from they're aware that of his power um I think Mulgar is a really good example of an or of an ogre who came to join his banner because he knew full well, there's no way I can stand up to this guy. But if I'm doing his bidding, I can still rule the ogres, you know, and it's not like Gron, you know, Gron are not terribly hands on rulers.
0: No, they want to so- They want to be sure that they, that they care about being fed fighting and whatever else they want to do. As long as the rest of that is taken care of, they don't really care. At least, as far as I can tell.
1: So, oh, you going or am I going? Go ahead, please. Okay, so you get to that point. Um, it, it is really interesting to see like how the fight actually goes down. Because first, you have to like basically wander around, killing multiple others of of Gruul's sons, till like, they get various things to to get you to that point. Like if you do the the Blades Edge quest lines, uh, you'll make common cause with Sibelian, and you'll you'll fight, uh, you know, other of Gruul's many sons to get to the point where you can finally get in there and deal with them. Um
0: and then when you go in there like what you see is first it's not even Gruel, Right. No, Gruul has his own chamber. It's the the basically the Ogre Council. Yeah, and yeah, the
1: Molgar's Molgar's little group. We should talk a little bit about Molgar. Yeah, Molgar is like a kind of a a I don't want to say a bastard, but I don't want us to call him. Like he's like a primitive recreation of, like, a Gorian Imperator. He's, like, the High King of the Ogres. But he's, like, you know, compared to the Gorian Empire, these guys are living in squalor. They're practically beat down to savagery again. Uh, but they still do have magic. As as Joe pointed out, they've even got warlocks.
0: Yeah, so, like, they have... Their group consists of at least his immediate retinue. Ulm uh, the Summoner, who is a warlock. Crosh Firehand, who is a fire mage. Kigler the Craze, which I forgot what he was. I think he he wasn't the priest because that was Blind Eye the Seer. And these are all two headed ogres that have that arcane or magical like ability. And they each like the the priest one was was definitely interesting because it does call upon like healing and light during the entirety of the fight. Which yeah, Kigler is Kigler's a straight up mage. Yep.
1: He does arcane okay. explosion.
0: There you go, Kigler. Yep. Okay, there you go. But yeah, and it's, it's also-, also sheep's people. He does also shoot people. I forgot about that. But it's also interesting, too, because, like, High King Mulgar, when you say that he's, like, a weird, almost, like, mutation of what the former things are, it is yeah. also fascinating. One, he's a single-headed ogre. Two, he's very spiky, which I always struck me as odd. Like, he doesn't have a crown. His crown is literally the horns that are, like, sprouting out around his head. but he and he's is, got one eye. And he doesn't have one eye, so...
1: Essentially he's like some kind of ogre slash ogron cross. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's on the way back to being an ogron. He's not quite an ogre anymore. They call them ogre lords, but he's basically just a huge, uh violent, practically insane ogre who is not all there. But you know, he's yeah, he's straight up he is he is bad news. And when you get past him, you know, then you have to fight Gruul himself so that's the best part is your reward for defeating this powerful group of you know ogre magicians who draw upon the traditions of ancient goria and this mutated half ogre half gron thing um, is to fight Gruul himself who is like it's it is it's funny because the two the, the the two big raid encounters of bc that are not karazhan are essentially two of the Biggest physical presences you're gonna see.
0: Yeah, and in Gruul's case, time. and in Gruul's case, and during the encounter, like you get to see something in that, that aspect that I, I don't think we've really seen in a fight mm-hmm. since. Um, first of all, it's it's a circular chamber uh with the one exit out, and and inside of this chamber, inside of this almost like arena like fight that you are facing with Gruul, every 30 seconds that you are fighting him. He gets bigger, and he gets bigger and bigger, increasing the amount of damage that he does the entire time. And that doesn't sound so bad at first, but this is a multiplicative buff that is given to him that can stack up to 30 times. And when he reaches stack number 30, if he is not taken down, you he stays at that increase. So every size increase is 15% more damage, And his size gets 10% bigger. So at 300% size, and I don't even remember, like, what, 450 or some odd percentage, uh, or whatever it actually works out to, for five minutes. That's his biggest, his most maximum, his rage-induced, the size that he was when he was fighting Deathwing. And that is a phenomenal, again, that environmental storytelling because as the fight goes on, the longer you are fighting him, the more dangerous it becomes. And that is just absolutely fascinating because that parallels exactly what happened with mm-hmm. the fight with him and Deathwing. It was the longer that Deathwing was engaged, the more dangerous Gruul became. The larger he became, the harder he hit. And it wasn't just Cadgar ripping off the armor plates at that point. Yeah, that helped, but it was... The more you fought him, the angrier he got, he hulked up. He just got bigger and more dangerous. And you have only a certain amount of time to deal with him before you cannot deal with him anymore. And it was one of those things where a lot of people, a lot of groups struggled with it because of it. It was a very, very burn-heavy fight. It was uh, in a time when like, you didn't have uh, basically a raid-wide uh, bloodlust or heroism. And you, know, you had basically just gotten uh the alliance side had just gotten shaman and so you had if you had a full five groups you had five shaman uh or at least you tried to so that you could maximize the dps on bloodlust so that you could literally take this thing down because if you didn't at that time you just couldn't and it was fascinating how much you had to leverage and and work together as a group, maximizing everything you had, at least at first. It definitely became a lot easier later on, but at first, it was the fight. It was the DPS check. It And it really was one of those things that was informed very heavily by the storytelling and the, the lore behind the character itself. And I always really enjoyed that, because a lot of fights, they seem difficult, but they don't seem dangerous, if that makes sense. A lot of things we've had since then, yeah, they're... they're these are hard fights and difficult, but there's really not this sense of like ever foreboding danger. And and I'm not just talking about enraged timers or berserk timers.
1: Yeah. Cause it wasn't exactly an enraged timer. There was too like the growth mechanic Joe mentioned. There's also shatter. Yeah. Because gruel would stone the whole group. Turn you. The stone. Like it, yeah. We put, yeah, we put what's called stoned was the debuff. He put out a thing called grand Lord's grasp where he's essentially like, you know, hitting this, he's hitting out this, uh, zone-wide knockback, and you get a debuff on you when he does it.
0: He's commanding and, basically the ground to, to sort of eat yeah. you a little bit.
1: And when he does it five times, you basically get petrified in place. And then he breaks the shatter that's holding you and does this this spike of damage. Uh, it's physical damage. It starts at like 1,100 if you're within 15 feet of him, and then it way spikes up if you're further away like from
0: him. Like 9k, which was massive at yeah. the time.
1: Yeah, and because he's got growth going, growth increases damage done by 15% every 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So And it stacks up to 30 times. So think about 15% oh, times 30. And,
0: and, and, and let, me, let me throw this out there for you guys, too, that are thinking, oh, this would have been fine. We, could, we had all these abilities that made us immune to stuff. Yeah, nope. No, they thought about this. So uh, Divine Shield, Ice Block, all of that stuff, this went through that. You mm-hmm. could not avoid it.
1: Yeah, the only possible way to avoid it was to avoid Gronlord's Grasp so you didn't get stoned. And there was only a very small amount of ways to avoid it. Uh, complete uh, complete immunity effects, not Blessing of Protection.
0: Cloak of Shadows. Um,
1: yeah, Cloak of Shadows and other complete immunity effects could protect you from a stack of of Gronlord's Grasp. But you were going to get stacked up eventually. It just... Delayed it. Yeah, and if you... Eventually, if he gets stoned out, he's going to do it. It just might not do damage to you because you didn't get the full stack. And there's just, as he's growing, the damage he's doing with this is going up. So, yeah, the damage he does uh, hitting the tank is pretty bad, but it's the the damage from Shatter that will wipe your raid because it will become impossible to mitigate. And when you combine that, because we're not even done, when you combine that with Hurtful Strike, which is the thing where he suddenly the next highest list after the tank, he will hit that guy for twelve thousand three hundred and fifty to thirteen thousand six hundred and fifty damage, which can be reduced by armor um, and defensive stance at the time and so forth. But so basically, you need either a druid or a warrior tank to absorb this thing. And you know, you heaven forbid
0: you! And heaven forbid that you were. A hunter or somebody that managed to get second on the aggro table in that moment, you were just paced.
1: Yeah, you had to be below both the MT and the OT. If you, this is why you know, abilities like at the time, I think it was just uh, misdirection. I don't know if the rogues had tricks yet. Maybe uh, they did.
0: They did. And then you had wind shear also reduce reduce like your threat level as well. Yeah, wind shear like you just to-
1: yours. You needed to use abilities to basically throw threat onto the main tank and the off tank to keep them above you wanted them they had to be at the top and you needed to make sure the ot stayed below the mt because as the ot climbed above the mt then the mt was going to take hurtful strike and it would kill him because it was every 20 seconds yeah you couldn't have that thing going to the tank every 20 seconds in addition to the sheer amount of damage gruel was doing just punching people it- um
0: we're coming up on time so i just want to I just want to kind of bring this home I, I, these are two encounters that
1: that yeah the the thing you were talking about before absolutely
0: they they just they they absolutely inform an encounter based off of story and lore and force players to sort of engage in sort of that heroic moment for each of them and it's one of those things where uh it really is enjoyable to to remember how it was back then uh to a certain extent because it was For us, like people like Matt and myself, uh, you are getting to play through a lore heavy encounter that wasn't watered down or wasn't changed or in is very much as deadly as it really meant to be. And especially like Gruul in particular was one of those moments where I was very giddy to see it because I was like, I remember the story of him fighting Deathwing and him punching him and making Deathwing go, nope, this is something I should not deal with. And then it comes back later because when you go and actually fight Deathwing, you remember, no, I beat, I beat up Gruel. I took care of that problem, and he took care of you, so I'm going to go ahead and take care of you too. And it just sort of feeds into that, that, that story of your character throughout all of these years, if you've been playing that long, of the deeds that you've accomplished and the dangers that you have uh, survived to get there. And there are several more instances of it. We'll talk about these more with some of the the later raids or as we progress. Before through we do, before we crusade. move on, though, before we
1: move on, I want to mention two other two other raid sized encounters that happened in BC that are kind of off on their own. There's uh, Doom Lord Kazak, who is in Hellfire Peninsula, up on a platform where the the Legion has a high presence, and Doomwalker who's literally patrolling the area right in front of the Black Temple. Uh, I don't know when we'll have time to talk about them, but in terms of environmental storytelling, they both serve a real purpose. Uh, Doolar Kazak is the same Kazak who was a a world boss in Classic. Mm -hmm. He comes back as an even more powerful version of himself. Uh, But he's up there. You can't get him down, so you can't kite him anywhere like...
0: They moved him on you, his own little floating yeah. island in the middle of nowhere for that very yeah. reason.
1: Yeah, you can't kite him, so you can't kite him to Shatrath and have him fight, um, like the Naru. Thank, uh, thankfully, like a doll, he doesn't get to do that. I remember people actually would kite things to fight a doll. Yes. I think they, Doomwalker they kited Doomwalker. They over would to a doll. kite
0: Doomwalker, yeah,
1: yeah. But Doomwalker, like I said, is is right around in front of the Black Temple, and at the time, Black Temple wasn't open yet. And one of the things in lore was that you had to get past Doomwalker.
0: Yep, because it this was guarding. Giant, it was essentially yeah. guarding the only way in.
1: What wasn't really guarding it? It was trying to get its way in because it was it was a legion thing trying to beat its way into the uh, temple.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it was, but it was still going to attack you if you tried to get past it. So yeah, th- there was a lot of that to the. To this expansion that I, I wanted to at least mention those fights i don't think we have time to really go over them but no i just want to make sure that they were mentioned
0: but we'll probably we'll we'll maybe spend some time talking about them a little bit in, the, in a future episode but for right now uh blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com blizzard watch your continued support means this podcast and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience And as a reminder, all of us at Blizzard Watch stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard in demanding change for a better tomorrow and a safer working environment.